Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Again, we want to thank all of our guests from all around the country who have come uh, to be a part of the tip-off tournament, and we're honored that you would be here. And uh, chapel is the highlight of our day at West Coast Baptist College, and we're glad that you could be with us here today and take a pause from the tournament to hear from the Word of God this morning. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse number 14, neglect not the gift. That is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the passage that lies before us this morning. Lord, I thank you that we can read these inspired words from you, encouraging Timothy to neglect not the gift. Lord, I pray as we fast forward 2,000 years and many more generations in the future, I pray that you would give us a generation here at West Coast Baptist College and in the churches that are represented that would neglect not their gift as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us to heed the encouragement and the challenge from the Apostle Paul this morning, and I pray that you would use this passage in our lives in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. We often neglect what is most important in life. I remember when I first started dating my wife in college, and I remember as we just started getting to know each other and just trying to figure each other out. How many guys are in that stage right now in college? Okay, you guys are too embarrassed to raise your hands, all right? But right in the beginning there, that talking stage, and uh, we were trying to get to know each other, and one day my wife said, oh, she wasn't my wife then, but my wife said, "Uh, I have a gift for you. And I got really excited. Guys, that's a really good sign. Whenever the girl says she has a gift for you, that's good. And so I was getting really excited about that. And uh, so I, I was wondering, what is this gift? And uh, what, what is this thing that uh, Alyssa is getting for me? And so my wife had a roommate in college. Her name was Alexa. And uh, they were best friends. And they had gone shopping. And they both got these gifts for uh, me and my friend Mitchell. Mitchell was dating Alexa at the time. They're married now. They planted a church in Phoenix and very good friends of ours still today. And, and so I remember me and Mitchell were sitting out in the outside the Great Awakening, the GA, and uh, we were sitting there, you know, wondering, what is what are these gifts that they are bringing to us? This is this is interesting. This is we're just very curious what this is going to be. And, and I'll be honest, there was a little bit of nervousness there. You know how when when someone gives you a gift and it's really not that good of a gift, you kind of have to act, 
you know, and we didn't really didn't want to have to go through that. And so uh, we were talking, trying to figure out what in the world is this gift uh, that these girls are bringing to us. And so I remember Alyssa, and her friend Alexa coming up at the outside the GA and they had uh, this little container that was wrapped up about this size. And I tell you what, they were excited about it. They were giddy about it. And, uh, you know, again, there's no pressure uh, in making sure that we communicate our appreciation for this gift. And so uh, they, she sets it down on the table there and, and uh, she says, open it, open it. And so me and Mitchell open our gifts and inside both of us have a goldfish. And I tell you what, they were so excited about. They had gone to Walmart. They had gotten a goldfish for each of us. Now, they had named our goldfish for us already. And so uh, Mitchell's goldfish, unironically, was named Silas. And uh, that became uh, the name of our first child. And so uh, very, very weird part of the story there. But, uh, but Mitchell's fish did not really last long uh, uh, in the dorm. And uh, when Mitchell comes back to preach here, I'll let him tell the details, the gory details. But basically, he just walked in a few days later and his roommate was shaking the container. And he said, what are you doing? And, and uh, his roommate said, I just wanted to see what would happen if I did this. And obviously, Silas did not last very long. My fish, however, had a very different name. Alyssa had named my goldfish Princess. And uh, I was very nervous about bringing Princess back to the guy's dorm. I thought I might get in trouble for that. And, and uh, I, I, I really was trying to figure out what to do with this fish. I mean, this was, this was the, really the first big gift that my future wife had given me. And so, I, I mean, this was a big deal. But again, I, I really, I just felt too much pressure all right, uh, to keep a living thing alive in the dorms. Now, I, I don't know if Brother Blem's here this morning, but uh, you can check the handbook. There are no living things allowed in the dorms. And so I knew that. I'm, I'm very much a rule follower. And so I was like, okay, uh, I, I, I think I can figure this out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take my goldfish. I'm going to put Princess on my bookshelf. And my dorm supervisor, who is also my roommate, is going to come in and he's going to say, what's with the fish? You need to get rid of it. Sorry, that's against the rules. And I'm going to be like, oh, Alyssa, I am so sorry, but my dorm soup just will not let me keep the fish. I'm just going to have to get rid of it. Okay, that was my plan. It was a, it was a perfect plan. Okay. And so I put the fish on, on uh, the, the bookshelf and uh, my, my, my dorm supervisor work nights uh, he just wasn't really all there. He pastures up in Northern California now, I can say that about him, but he just wasn't really all there. He, he uh, you know, just kind of went through the motions and when he walked in, he took one look at the fish, just kind of grunted and went to bed. So I was like, okay, well that plan failed. What am I going to do with this fish? So I finally realized that if you're gonna keep something alive, you need to feed it something. And so I'm a poor college student, okay? I, I can't afford expensive things like fish food, okay? I mean, that's, that's not in my budget. 
And so me and my roommate just decided that we were going to feed it whatever. And our TLC parents had given us some, some food. And, and so we, we would drop some cookie crumbs in there for Princess. And, and she really liked the Jolly Rancher, okay? I tell you what, she just loved that. We just kind of fed it whatever. And, you know, uh, just uh, typical guy dorm stuff, okay? And so we're just, we're just putting all this stuff in there. Eventually, I realized we have to do something with this fish. And so I went to Alyssa and I said, Alyssa, you know, I teach a Sunday school class for kids. And, you know, I just, I'm not going to be able to keep Princess very much longer. I think what I'm going to do, if you're okay with it, I'm going to give Princess away as a prize on Sunday morning in my class. And she was fine with that. She understood. She was at least thankful that Princess survived longer than Silas in the dorm. And so uh, she's like, okay, that's fine. And, and so I got up Sunday morning and got ready for my class. And I looked as I grabbed Princess's container, you know, by this time it was a little nasty, okay? Uh, there's just a bunch of stuff floating in there. And I mean, Princess loved it. I, don't, don't get me wrong, but, but I, I figured I couldn't give this to a kid, okay? So I, I, I got to clean out this container. And so I took, I took Princess to the restroom. And, and, uh, and, and what happened, it just all happened so fast, okay? <laughs> I don't even, I can't even really describe all the details behind it, okay? But, but basically what I did was, I, okay, I, I'm not a professional fishbowl cleaner, okay? So don't, don't judge me here. But I, I, I poured out all of the bad stuff, all of the, the bad water, and, and then she was just kind of flipping out there. And so I, I, uh, I put her under the, 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 the faucet and put clean water in there. And I was standing there and and uh, thinking about my lesson that I was going to teach that morning, and, and I noticed some steam that was coming up from the container, and I looked down, and Princess, she's having a heart attack. She is just flipping out everywhere. I tell you, her fins are going crazy. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, I'm, I'm killing Princess, and, and, I, and I stopped the water, and, and all. I mean, she's just going crazy, and then all of a sudden just... She just stiffs up. Princess was no longer with us. Now, I figured that if the hot water killed Princess, maybe cold water would help revive her. So I put her in some cold water. It just did not work. So I had to go not only to my girlfriend at the time, but also have to apologize that I don't have a prize for Sunday morning because I did not take care of the gift that my girlfriend had given to me. You know, oftentimes we neglect what is important in life. And in this passage, Paul encourages Timothy in verse number 14, neglect not the gift. God has given you something special, Timothy. God, God has put some value into this gift. Don't neglect this gift. Now, there are some reasons why we usually neglect things. And I'm sure as we walked around some of your dorm rooms this morning, we would, we would try to find some reasons why you're neglecting some things in your room. And there are some legitimate reasons why we neglect things. One of the reasons is that sometimes we just don't have the resources to take care of something. And, and I, think, I think about princess. I just did not have the resources to take care of princess. It just it wasn't something that I was capable of doing. At least I didn't think I could. 
could. And sometimes we convince ourselves, I don't have the resources to invest in this. And sometimes uh, we, we don't take care of something, we neglect something because we don't schedule the time uh, to put into it, to take care of it. It's, it's not important. We, we, get, we get very busy and it's just not a priority. Sometimes we just don't care. Sometimes there's a spirit of apathy. This is not important to me. The Greek word or verb here for neglect in verse number 14 gives the sense of a, a continuing problem. Uh, basically, what Paul is saying is do not continue to neglect this gift. So apparently we get the sense that Timothy was already neglecting this gift that God had given to him. And very quickly this morning, we need to ask ourselves, how can we learn from Paul's exhortation to Timothy and not neglect the gift that God has given to us? Very quickly, let's look at three actions to avoid neglecting our gift. The first action I see is discover your gift. Discover your gift. Look back at verse number 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Now, if we are to learn from this command that Paul gave to Timothy, we have to ask ourselves a very important question. And that question is, what is the gift? If we want to make sure we're not neglecting it, we first have to discover it. We first have to identify it. Now, the Greek word here for gift is the Greek word charisma. Uh, we use this word today in our English language a little bit differently than uh, how Paul is using it here. It's, it's not talking about a magnetism, a glamour, an, an appeal like we would use today. It's, it's not talking about charismatic doctrine like we would assume uh, today. That is not what Paul is speaking of. It is a strictly Pauline word. There's, it's used 17 times throughout the whole New Testament, and Paul uses it 16 times. Peter uses it just once. And so Paul, is, Paul loves this word. As you read through 1 Corinthians and Romans, he, he loves this word charisma. There's a gift that has been given to you. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, what is the gift? Let's go on uh, this journey here together and discover what the gift is here in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. I don't know how many of you like mysteries, but we're going to go on a mystery here, okay? Uh, let's see what is the gift. Now, it has been used in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 as uh, the gift of salvation, Romans 6.23, very familiar verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Paul uses this word to describe the gift of salvation, that this is a free gift. This is something that you do not have to do. You do not have to perform a certain way to receive this gift. This, this gift is free. It's, it's eternal life through Jesus Christ. However, in the context of 1 Timothy 4, that is not the gift that Paul is referring to. 
We also see that Paul uses this word in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 to describe a lifestyle. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, For I would that all men were even as myself, talking about uh, his celibacy, talking about him being single and not married. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. So, so sometimes he uses it to describe a lifestyle. He's saying that I know not everyone is like this, but this is the lifestyle that I I have chosen to serve God and to glorify God, and, and, and everyone needs to uh, have his proper gift, steward his gift proper, properly. Then he also uses this to describe uh, a gift of grace in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. In the context of this verse, Paul is thanking the Corinthians for praying for his safety, and he's telling them that that is, that is a gift, that he's being, he, he was delivered from death, and that was a gift that God had given to him. But as we look through the list, it's pretty obvious he's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about a lifestyle. He's not talking about a gift of grace or protection. So what is the gift? Well, he also uses this term in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 to describe miraculous sign gifts. He describes these gifts, uh, especially in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, these miraculous gifts that were revelatory in nature, that before the Bible was completed, uh, before the church became mature through the Word of God, uh, we see that these gifts were given to legitimize the message of the gospel. And we know from 1 Corinthians 13 that these gifts have ceased upon the completion of the canon of Scripture and the result maturity of the church. We won't take the time to walk through that passage, but 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that, uh, that for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. But, but we know that these gifts have ceased, and so that's not exactly what Paul is talking about either, these miraculous sign gifts. So what is the gift? Well, Romans chapter 1 is going to give us a little hint to this because Paul uses this word again. Romans 1 verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. Sometimes Paul uses this word charisma to describe a spiritual gift. He continues in Romans chapter 12 to describe these gifts. He says in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And I believe that this is the gift that Paul is referring to here in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, spiritual gifts. Pastor Chapel defines these spiritual gifts from Romans 12, the gift of prophecy. We have these up on the screen. This is the gift or the calling of God to preach. We'll, we'll focus on that in, in, in just a moment. There's the gift of ministry or helps. This is a desire to serve and help God's people in a variety of ways. This gift manifests itself through a passion to serve behind the scenes. There's the gift of teaching. This is the ability and the desire to teach God's truth and help people 
understand how his word applies to their lives. There's exhortation or encouragement. This is the ability and the desire to give to God's word and to God's people. Ruling or administration. This is the ability to lead and administrate part of God's work. And then there's mercy. This is the God-given ability to feel the pain of others and help them during trials. And God promises, as we just read in Romans chapter 12, that every person who is saved has a gift. Every person who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ has been given a spiritual gift. Now, remember I said that Peter uses this word one time. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, he gives a little context to this as well. It's an interesting statement. He says in verse 10, As everyone hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter takes these gifts and he classifies them into two categories. Speaking, if any man speak, and serving, if any man minister. So what is the specific gift that Paul is referring to in 1 Timothy? Well, we just have to go right back to the text. Look at verse 14 again. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, what's the next word? Prophecy. So as we think about these gifts in general, God promises that every person in this room, if you are saved, you have one of these gifts from Romans 12. But then Paul is going to hone in on one of these specific gifts in 1 Timothy 4. He says, Timothy, neglect not the gift. You have the gift by prophecy. Now, by prophecy means that this gift is accompanied by prophecy. It's not bestowed by prophecy. It's not some mystical type of thing that takes place during your ordination that he describes here. No, this is uh, that Paul has this discernment and that Paul has seen that Timothy has this gift in his life and he encourages him not to neglect it. So what is the gift? The best definition I could find here uh, was a special inward endowment which qualified Timothy for exhortation and teaching and which was directly imparted by the Holy Spirit. You might be asking, well, you know, that's a great list, but uh, how can I discover my gift? If I'm not going to neglect my gift, first I need to discover it. First I need to identify it. How can I identify it? Well, the secret here is in the text in verse 14. Look again. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. How can I discover my gift? It's very simple. Ask a mentor. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, I noticed this about you. We, we recognize this, the, the laying on of hands, and we've seen ordination services here at Lancaster Baptist before. It's not some spooky, mysterious thing where power flows from one person to another. That, that's not the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands is a recognizing that this person has the gift, that this person has a gift of prophecy. It often communicates a personal responsibility and a continuing of leadership. And so 
teenager, Bible college student, if you're trying to figure out your spiritual gift, you need to ask someone who knows you. You have a pastor, you have a youth pastor, you have a parent, you have someone who is mature in the faith. And I encourage you to go to that person and say, you know what, I've been looking at Romans chapter 12 and, and uh, I'm not really sure which one I have. What do you think? And I promise you that mentor is going to be able to help you with that. Paul said, Timothy, I noticed this about you. You have the gift of prophecy. Now, the principle in 1 Timothy 4 is real. Discover the gift that God has given you and don't neglect it. Now, specifically, he's talking about prophecy. So we would be remiss if we did not talk about that specific gift this morning. The gift of prophecy described here is not a, a fortune-telling gift. Sometimes we think it, about prophecy, especially as a genre of Scripture. It's, it's, it's predicting the future. That, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, a foretelling. We're talking about now that the Word of God has been complete, there's, there's not going to be some special word of revelation that comes to you. God's completed His Word, but now He has called men to stand and and to take his word and to foretell it and to foretell it and to make sure that other people understand what God's word is saying. That is the gift of prophecy. And let me ask you very quickly, young man, whether you're here for the tip-off tournament or whether you're here in Bible college, do you have that gift? Do you have a desire to preach God's word? Do you have a calling upon your life? You might think, well, I, I haven't really had a burning bush experience, so I'm not really sure. Guys, there's only one guy in the Bible who had a burning bush experience, okay? And honestly, when you read through it, he didn't really enjoy it, okay? Uh, he, just, he just argued and, and gave excuses after excuse. So if you're looking for a burning bush experience, that's, that's not what you should be looking for. The Bible's very clear in 1 Timothy 3, for this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And if God has put a fire within your soul to make a difference in your generation and to not live your life for material gain and to not live your life for popularity, but to live your life for eternity. And if God has given you a fire within your soul to make a difference and to see people saved and to see lives change, then that may very well be the gift of prophecy inside of you. And let me encourage you don't neglect it. Don't neglect the gift. So first, if we're going to not neglect the gift, then we need to make sure we discover the gift. But secondly, we need to develop the gift. Develop the gift. Verse number 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Look at verse number 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profit, profiting may appear to all. You might be sitting here this morning and thinking, well, I know that you said and God says from his word that I have a gift, but I'm just be honest with you this morning. I don't really feel gifted. I mean, I, I don't really feel like, I, I, just, just the idea of getting up in front of someone and, and opening up the word of God and preaching terrifies me. I don't think I'm gifted. Well, then you have a completely wrong view of biblical gifts in the first place. Paul is writing to Timothy here in this passage, and he's saying, Timothy, you have a gift, 
And you may not feel like you have a gift, but you do. And look what he says in verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and in purity. Apparently, Timothy struggled as a young man with timidity and, and fear. Even in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear. For he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no man despise him. Some of the similar language that we just read. But conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. So apparently Timothy had this problem. Timothy did not feel gifted. Timothy did not feel like he had a gift. But Paul is telling him and encouraging him and challenging him, Timothy, I see the gift in you. Make sure that you are developing it. Now, there's a specific parable that sometimes we misinterpret, and uh, it, it causes a little bit of a misunderstanding when it comes to spiritual gifts. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We sometimes think about spiritual gifts in light of this very popular parable, and, and I'm even guilty of preaching this passage and misinterpreting it as well. As I, as I try to give some clarity on this passage, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to embarrass or rebuke anyone who's preached this passage in the way that I used to preach it. And a lot of times we preach this passage, a parable of the talents, and we, 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 we describe these three groups of people, and we describe them as Christians. We've all heard it. Uh, you have the five talent Christians. Those are the really spiritual guys, okay? I mean, those are the guys who can walk on water. I mean, they're winning the preaching contest every year, okay? Those five talent Christians. Then, you know, there's the two talent Christians, and those are the guys that, you know, they're just kind of average, and, you know, they're nothing special, but they're not at least they're not the one talent Christian, okay? And the one talent Christian, and this is how we communicate it a lot of times. Even if you have one talent, use it for the Lord, okay? We're like, it's okay, it's okay. You're not the five. Uh, we don't expect much out of you, but just don't bury it like that guy. And we preach through this parable and we, we teach it in this way that completely misconstrues what spiritual gifts are. Guys, this is not a parable in Matthew 25 of, about Christians, this is not a parable uh, that is meant to be, describe spiritual gifts. How do we know that? Well, the biggest indication, a lot of times when we preach through this passage, we, we, uh, we, we, we kind of leave off this, the end of the story. Do you guys remember the end of the story? The guy who buried his talent in the sand, what happened to him? He went to hell. Do you remember that part of the story? Right at the end of this, this parable, Jesus says, the guy's thrown out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And now, so if we apply this to Christians today, then we get an obvious misinterpretation that if you don't use your gift, then you're going to lose your salvation. That is not what that parable is talking about. And that is not doctrinal. You, that is, your salvation is not dependent on how you use the gift, but that's what the parable is talking about, Right? The parable says the guy with the five, he invested it. The guy with the two, he invested it. The guy with the one, he buried it and he got thrown to hell because of it. Guys, be very careful that you're not misinterpreting scripture. This parable is not about spiritual giftedness. 
This parable is about the nation of Israel. Uh, in context, Matthew 24, big chapter when it comes to prophecy. This, this parable is not talking about Christians. This parable is talking about Israel not stewarding the covenant blessing that the Messiah, uh, of the Messiah, and they were squandering it. There's, there's a few parables around it. There's a parable of the virgins. And you know, a lot of times we don't really preach through, oh yeah, there were five virgins over here, there were five virgins over here. Some of them had oil right here in their lamps. Some of them didn't. And uh, we understand the context of that. And then we get to the, the parable of the talents. And, and then after the parable of the talents, there's another parable. Guess what that one's about? It's about the sorting through the sheep and the goats uh, in the, at the end times in the final judgment. So the virgins were not ready for the wedding. These servants were not ready for the return of the master, and the sheep and the goats are being separated at Christ's return, just like the unfaithful servant is separated from the two faithful servants at the end of that story. Guys, be very, very careful that you are not misinterpreting Scripture and thinking, well, you know what, that guy is a five-talent Christian. I'm just a one-talent Christian. That's not the application of that parable. God has given every one of you a gift. And I don't know how many he's given, and it doesn't really matter. We don't categorize Christians by five, two, and one. That's not what this parable is about. We need to understand that if God has given you a gift, you may not feel uh, capable, you may not feel gifted, but every Christian has an important gift that they need to develop. Uh, obviously, no Christian's going to get thrown into hell if they bury their gift. And so we need to make sure that we are understanding that passage properly. Paul points Timothy to the practicality of his gifts. Turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Timothy, you have this gift. You may not feel like it. You, got, you, you have a lot of fear. You have a lot of timidity. Um, you're not confident, but you have a gift. And God has given you this gift. And I've noticed this gift. Now you need to develop it. And how? How do you develop it? Look at verse number 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Reading is the public reading of the scriptures. Exhortation is the preaching of the word of God. And doctrine is the teaching of the word of God. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, Timothy, you have the gift, but you need to develop it practically. You need to make sure that you are using it in the service of the Lord. God's gift is not some type of mystical gift that, uh, that, that he gives to us just by a laying on of hands. No, God commands us to develop the gifts that he has given to us. Look at the words he uses in verse 15. Meditate, which is being diligent, practicing this gift. He says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, uh, completely be absorbed in it. And we understand that in any area of life, talent can only take you so far. We're here for the tip-off tournament. I think of two different categories of people. I think of musicians and I think of athletes. And I do not fall into either of those, okay? And it's very tempting for someone who does not fall into either of those categories to look at a musician or an athlete and say, wow, that guy's just really talented. Wow, you know, I wish I had talent like that. I wish I was gifted like that. What we don't see are the 15 hours a day practicing the piano, right? 
What we don't see are all of the layups and all the three-pointers and all the practices. We don't see all of that. We just, we just think, oh yeah, that person is gifted. This applies in, in just about every area of life. Uh, now, obviously, musicians and athletes do have a talent, an ability, uh, that, but if you don't develop that talent, then it's useless. And the same applies to spiritual gifts. If you do not practice and discipline your spiritual gift, then you are going to neglect it. Prophecy and teaching. If you believe you have that gift, you need to study. You need to practice. You need to read. You need to observe. You need to take notes. You need to make sure that you are developing that gift. Ministry and exhortation. Our mercy. All of these behind-the-scenes gifts. Serve. Reach out to others. Ask people how you can pray for them. Ask your youth pastor how you can serve. If ruling or administration. Some of you guys are like, oh, yeah, that's my gift. I really like to be in charge of other people. Okay, be very careful. That's not what we're talking about. But if God has given you a gift of administration, find opportunities to learn servant leadership in your youth group or in Bible college. Find those opportunities and develop the gift. A discovered gift that is not developed can be disastrous. God has given every one of you a gift. He promises it. But what are you doing with it? Are you developing that gift? Are you using the gift that God has given to you? Are you developing this gift for his service? So first we see you need to discover the gift. Secondly, we need to develop the gift. And then lastly, we need to display the gift. Look at the end of verse 15. That thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul is saying you need to make sure you discover that gift. You need to make sure you're developing that gift, but display the gift as well. Paul's very clear in verse 16 that doctrine and life are connected. Paul mentions take heed unto thyself before he mentions the doctrine. Both are important, but there's a priority there. Make sure you're taking heed to yourself. He does this all throughout chapter four, verse number seven, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. First Timothy 4, 15 in our text here, meditate upon these seeds, give thyself wholly to them. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself, save thyself. I think of a famous message that was preached by Charles Finney in the 1800s entitled, Preacher, Save Thyself. Here's some of the quotes from this powerful sermon. He's, he's, he's speaking to pastors and preachers. He says this, make the Bible your book of books. Study it much upon your knees, waiting for divine light. Keep yourself pure in will, in thought, in feeling, in word and action. Let simplicity, sincerity, and Christian propriety stamp your whole life. Preacher, save thyself. If God has given you the gift of prophecy, display your gift for the world. Not in some type of a prideful way, not in a showy way, but use the gift to help others. And it doesn't matter what gift God has given you. Use that gift in the service of the king. One wise scholar said, what we don't use, we lose. And if you do not display the gift, then you might be in danger of losing it. Remember the reasons that we neglected, that we neglect something 
Some, sometimes we neglect something because we, we don't have the resources for it. We don't quite feel like we're capable of, of taking care of it. Well, I hope this morning that you've understood how to discover your gift and to nurture that gift. Sometimes we neglect things because we don't schedule time to take care of it. We don't, we, we don't, we don't take the time out of the busyness of the schedule. I hope that you will develop your gift. And sometimes we're just apathetic. We just don't care. And I hope that God can put a fire within your soul to make a difference and to display your gift. Fast forward to 2 Timothy and we'll be done. 2 Timothy chapter number one. Look at this. 2 Timothy chapter number one. Some time has gone between 1 and 2 Timothy. Now Paul is in prison being ready to be beheaded for his faith. And look what he does right in the beginning chapter of 2 Timothy. Look at verse number six. Wherefore... I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Verse 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Neglect not the gift. 